Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Use Guys and That Podcast, the decimation of your asshole on horseback. Haven't heard that for a while, have you? Yes. Brought to Making you. Making a comeback. Yeah. Yeah. Look back at it while it makes a comeback. Um, brought to you by Vandalay Industries and, of course, AgorasNexus.com, premier sponsor of the Use Guys and That Podcast. Don't forget about the bit shoot. That is where our videos are posted. So check it out. We do not have to worry about the um, Stasi uh, striking us down and sending us into oblivion on YouTube. Someday we'll get some shorts on there. Maybe, maybe not. But we got a lot of great interviews on the YouTube page. If you haven't checked it out, we'd like Scott Horton and Michael Humer and, I mean, Sal a bunch of times, Bird. We've got a lot of people on there. So check that out. Great interviews. But the bit shoot is where it's happening. Now, we obviously are going to be jumping into another installment. I believe this is the fifth installment of the separatist movements that we've been covering, working our way down to the southern portion of North America. I know it's wild. A lot of people that you probably work with are not familiar with the fact that Mexico is, in fact, part of North America. What? It's wild. You don't say. In fact, so is <laughs> Panama. Okay, there's Panama. no such thing as Central America. Central America is a region North America is a continent. Use that. It the, is? Yeah. I'm, Holy shit, dude. Yeah, I know. You've been getting it wrong this Fucking, whole time, didn't you? I, I didn't know it was a whole continent. Yeah, yeah. It's. Does that also include Canada? Yeah, it does include Canada. <laughs> okay. Yes. Unfortunately. Oh, they're great people. We love Canada. <laughs> well, no, I like Canada, uh, but, I, but I, can't, I, I hate Justin Trudeau. Justin Trudeau's a problem. Well, there's, <laughs> yes. Gargantuan you a piece of shit. He definitely is. So before I get started, there's a couple of notes that I'd like to get through. First and foremost, I don't know if anybody's heard what's going on down in Georgia. And no, I'm not talking about our Georgia. The it, devil? <laughs> not the devil. Um, I, I heard he goes down there looking for souls to steal. I heard about that too. Golden and, um, you know, unfortunately, that's not the Georgia that we're talking about. The Georgia that we're talking about is uh, a pro not only a protest, but it's actually almost a, I hate to use the word, you guys. I hate to use, but I'm going to do it, insurrection, okay? Uh, what is happening in Georgia is, is really interesting because it's, they passed a law, okay? They passed a law which states, like, I'm going to try to tell you what it is here. Okay, so clashes are ongoing tonight in the, in the Capitol, as protesters take to the streets to protest a draft law against, quote, foreign agents under the law, organizations receiving more than 20 percent of their funding from overseas will have to register as a foreign agent. Many Georgians see this as a major step towards authoritarianism, as Russia's use of similar laws have largely been used as a tool to crush political dissent. And they're in the streets chanting, fuck Putin, fuck Russia. This, that, and the other thing, it will prevent them from ascending to the European Union because you can't have those sorts of laws if you're a member state of the European Union um, <clears throat> because of the danger that it poses to that freedom. So they're going wild uh, in the Republic of Georgia, not the state of Georgia in the Buck America. Wild in Georgia. Buck Wild in Tbilisi, Georgia. Um, <laughs> and we wish them well. I hope it all works out for them. I, I have. I have nothing but love and an ad admiration for Georgia. The only Georgian I never liked was Joseph Stalin. Uh, a lot of people don't know that he was from there, but that, that's true. He's from there. There's a Stalin museum that you can go to. Um, 
I mean, if you want to feel disgusting, you imagine going to the Adolf Hitler Museum. And no, for, for some of the people on Twitter, they'd be like, oh, my God, where is it? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And they'd be like, really? <laughs> they, the Fuhrer has, has, has a museum? <laughs> and they start jerking off. Um, th- no, that's speaking of Nazis. So um, they're in this small town west of Akron. There is a big what to do now. Okay, and I'm going to go ahead and put this out there. We talked about it on the B side. Don't forget the Patreon if you want to get in on it. $2 a month is all you need. $2. Yeah. There... I mean, you could just get it for a month and then cancel it and pay $2 and listen to everything. You could do that. Uh, That's a lot of listening. That is a lot of listening. There is a lot of material on there, but you could get through it if you're dedicated. <laughs> now, when it comes to what's going on, so... This uh, LGBTQ activist wanted to do a drag story hour in this little town, okay? Naturally, in the Middle West, this kind of goes over like a wet fart in church. People don't like that sort of thing. I'm not saying whether I like it or not. My son is 20, and I never took him to drag story time. It just It's just not my thing. It, it's just not my thing. Now, as an American and a free-thinking human being, I believe you have the right to attend and bring your children to an event that you think is perfectly safe, acceptable, and if you want them to participate or what have you, I certainly wouldn't stand in your way. I wouldn't personally do it. I didn't do it. It's not my thing. However, if we're going to play the game, the Constitution of the United States guarantees the freedom of speech. These people actually applied for a permit. Okay, they went through the proper channels. Mm-hmm. They reserved the space. So over the weekend, a national socialist group, and I'm not using that just as a pejorative. I'm using it as a description. A national socialist group cut up little pamphlets and distributed them in town, in this little town, talking about the Jews are the reason why we have six genders. Uh, the Jews are the reason why uh, there's drag story time. And um, we're going to meet up and White Lives Matter. There's a video okay. on Twitter where they're doing a stiff right arm. They're a little, you know, well, they're not hailing a cab. Okay. They're not a taxi. Yep. No, they're not getting a cab. They're asking, they're asking for a boxcar. Um, that's what they're doing. So, uh, and it's disgusting. It's, again, some of the people on Twitter would be like, I'm sorry, what's the name of this group? Kyle Cabby. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. It's not a good look. Apparently, the communists from Antifa are going to be showing up. And then the Proud Boys are going to be showing up. And, of course, uh, the neo-Nazis, the National Socialists, the real ones. It would be a Nazis. real three-ring circus. Really, yeah. And remember, when I say Nazi, I'm not talking about <coughs> your, your uncle that votes Republican. Okay? That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about genuine National Socialists. Okay? Like, the real deal. Like they, they, they're fans of Hitler and, you know, they don't think they, you know, there's only 200,000 that died in the camps, that sort of thing. Okay. That's who we're talking about. They're going to show up, uh, sometime this weekend and it's going to be very interesting to see how this transpires. The person who started all of this, I don't blame the LGBTQ activist that has nothing to do with it. It has absolutely nothing to do with it. Okay. This guy can do whatever he wants. All right. You can, if you want to hire the drag person and people are going to show up and have their kids do the listen whatever um the problem is this guy named gary smith again smith or jones depending on your flavor he started this he wanted 
this small town to pass an ordinance to ban this uh, provocative burlesque style thing for and having children around it. Mm-hmm. He is a pastor. His brother is a pastor. They run a daycare. He started all of this. He's trying to get the mayor primaried in favor of a city councilman who will push an ordinance to ban this sort of thing. Okay? After all is said and done, and the mayor said, guess what? They paid their permits, First Amendment. They get to say what they want. You can like it or lump it. There's nothing you can do about it. This is the law. Gary started all of this. Now Gary is saying that he won't be showing up to protest the dragster. Okay? Of course. So he tucked his tail after starting like a little bitch. Like a bitch. He started all of this. All of this doesn't happen without him. And now saying, well, there's going to be a lot of cussing and perhaps things could get violent and it's not good for kids. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you were going to bring your kids to a riot? These people are going to have drag story time, which, again, not my, not my, how I frost my donut, my friend, but whatever, you know? It's just like shitty people all around. Right. You the know? religious zealots have have decided to turn their flags and, and march home, but you brought in the fucking, I, I mean, the, 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 the crazies are coming in like the bathtub is draining, mm-hmm. and it's just whoosh, coming fucking in. <laughs> you, you started it, and now you're tucking your tail and heading for your $700,000 house that you just purchased. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. And, and God bless those children. I just keep thinking of that meme where they're like, oh, no, I forgot. Ah, was it was it like like the anarcho-communist and they're just spraying shit everywhere? <laughs> oh, no. Here come the ancoms. Yeah, you could. <laughs> Except it's the Proud Boys and Antifa. Oh, man. It's um, just spraying diarrhea everywhere. Like, good job, Gary, you fucking prick. I mean, it really, (laughs) it really, really pisses me off. I'm very, very disappointed with how this has gone down. Okay. So, again, (laughs) you don't like it. He stirred the pot and said, oh, it smells like shit, and walked away. <laughs> Truly, I, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. Oh, I mean, man. You did, you did not have the courage of your convictions, and now you are going to walk away from a mess you made by bringing in the most unsavory people. Oh, <laughs> yes, there it is. Oh, no. <laughs> Here come the ant <laughs> It's just shit everywhere. <laughs> Bernie um, can still win. We're the real anarchists. <laughs> True communism has never been tried before. <laughs> I love it how the anarchists above, they're discussing liberty and principles and having a good time. And then here they come and just shit everywhere. Just shit everywhere. Well... <laughs> Like as it smashes window, kicks trash can. I want free college. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's there's that. I also want free college. I mean, I want free hot dogs for life. <laughs> I, I, free corn dogs. I'll settle for the dollar fifty Costco hot dog. That's a good hot dog. Yeah, they have it at the at the Sam's Club. I don't have a, a Costco near me. I don't have one. They are putting in a Costco um, in Belton. Ooh. Really? Yeah. 
What do you think the difference is between Sam's and Costco apart from the name? Nothing. Um, I mean, probably, I'm sure there's differences. There's probably different brands and different products available. Like, I, I, I like going to Sam's Club for particular things, but it sucks because you're always limited on variety. Like, mm-hmm. you don't have, like, oh, we have Doritos, but we've only got this kind. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you know what else I don't like about uh, any big box store like that is the immediate solicitation at the door if I want my picture taken with a piece of fruit or if I want an amazing deal on an iPad 7 or whatever. Like, bro, I'm here for fucking Tim Horton's coffee and a gallon of fucking peanut oil. I am not here to talk to you. Like, <laughs> I have an agenda. I'm going to rub my body in the oil. Okay. All right. I'm going to drink the coffee, rub my ass neck with the oil, get naked with the missus. I don't want to talk to you about the deal of the century, okay? We're going to have the smoothest peanut oil sex that you've ever seen. It's good for the skin. That's how I keep my skin pasty and dry. Thank you. Good for the skin, and it smells like Jif. (laughs) That's how you keep a lady. Smells like Badissi and peanut butter in here. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. So, yeah, so I I always took Costco as being the more classy location, and Sam's Club kind of being like, well, walmart plus i mean it is what it is i haven't had any clientele issues at the sams but i see some some familiar faces let's let's not play games let's not i mean at least at sam's club like it's not that there's like you know you don't have to go shopping with the poors just the classless because you do have to pay to shop there yeah that's not what I meant, but it's hilarious. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Sure, Jay. <laughs> yeah. You like, uh, you I, can't, I can't go shopping at the local Walmart with the poors. Oh, how disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Fucking, fucking pools everywhere. Oh, shit. All I want to do is go out and get some gems, some gems, some scones and jam. <laughs> Peanut oil for yeah. my missus to rub on yeah. my bollocks. Um, <laughs> oil to rub on my bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, needless to say, I'm really disappointed in Gary the coward. I'm very disappointed <laughs> in this entire group of people who shame. made us yes, shame. shame. Yes, and he's going to be hiding in his seven hundred thousand dollar home. While the working class neighborhood where this is adjacent to the event is potentially in the line of fire and the police are going to be there for multiple agencies. Thank you, Gary, for setting a fire that you now are walking away from, you fucking coward of a man. Okay? Um, that's all I have to say about that because I could be on this shit all day long. I think it's disgusting right. that people start problems and don't have the balls to follow through. Be, have the courage of your convictions. He lit the turlet on fire and walked away. That's that's it right there. That's it. And you know, it's just I'm I'm it's a zero out of ten. I'm not impressed. I think it sucks. And uh that's about it. So with regard to the next element, there's a couple there's a couple of reasons why I'm really kind of excited to talk about this. First and foremost, we're going down south of the border, down Mexico way where the tuna fish play. Okay. Ask Junior Soprano about that one. Uh, some of you will laugh. The rest of you will need an explanation and just type in Junior Soprano and Tuna and you'll get the joke. Tony Soprano told it. Angel knows what I'm talking about. Down that. Mexico way. That's right. South of the border where the tuna fish play. That's right. 
Uh, it's because Junior gives head, and uh, as a mob boss, he was not allowed to eat uh, vagina. That's he's yes. not allowed to do that because if you're if you do that, then you're possibly what you would do anything, and quite possibly you're a fanook, which I think is like slang for a gay. A gay. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, people are the woman is baffled by this explanation because she was like, "That's the complete opposite of <laughs> yeah. you know uh, that." So. You know what? I don't know about the rest of you men, but every time I, if when I go down on the misses, I'm like, this is a lot of fun. But you know what would be even better? Sucking a thick cock. That's the next thing that comes to mind, right? Because that's just normal, right? Like, it is. I mean, it's retarded, but it is what it is. Anyway, not to get distracted, south of the border, down Mexico way. We're talking about this. I don't know if anybody saw recently. I have two relatives that are traveling south of the border. I'm not happy about it because they blatantly ignored my concern for their personal safety right now. Uh, It's some wild shit down there. They used to not fight on the resorts. Now they kill people on resort property. There were four Americans that were um, kidnapped south of the border. Two of them are dead now. Okay. And of course, well, they were confused for this person or that person. Sure, you can run the risk. It's, you know, like going to East Cleveland after 11 p.m. Do I want to be there? I shouldn't be there. Um, I'm probably not wanted, that, so I shouldn't go there. Um, but anyway, so we, you're aware of the drug wars that have been happening in Mexico as a result of the domestic policy with drugs here. Drugs have won the drug war. They've been winning it since the minute it was declared. It's kind of like Afghanistan, right? We just don't want to admit just yet that we made a mistake at the cost of trillions of dollars, thousands of lives, and the prison industrial complex that we benefit from. But this, in fact, is a little bit of deviation. Why? The drug cartels are not separatist groups. The drug cartels, that the drug war in general, is a multi-faction civil war. Okay, So you have the different cartels fighting for control of the drug trade. They're not trying to separate from Mexico. They're not trying to uh, establish their own independent republic or kingdom or whatever, a commune, if you will. The group that we're going to talk about today actually is interested in that and, and sort of kind of achieved their goal to say. Now, Mexico, a lot of people don't know the history of Mexico. Obviously, it was owned first by several Native American tribes, one of them being very famous for the brutality, which is the Aztecs. The Aztecs were conquered by whom? Spain and los conquistadores, okay? Hernán Cortés and his Spanish friends, okay? They came over, and with the help of other Native Americans who disliked the Aztecs, were able to overthrow the Aztec Empire. By the way, they are pretty sure that the Aztecs in one weekend were able to sacrifice 90,000 slaves to their gods. Hmm. Peaceful. Peaceful until the white man showed To be fair, they thought that it would make, because of the the solar eclipse or whatever, I think that's right, yeah. Because of the solar eclipse, they thought if they didn't feed the god, the sun god, uh, the people's blood, death, whatever, these sacrifices Mm -hmm. were specifically so that the sun would come back. Right. No, I understand that. And I've seen the meme where people, somebody's getting their heart cut out and there's two natives talking to each other and they're like, it's not a perfect system, but it's the best one we have. Um, echoing some, I mean, of course, 
you get the point. Yes. So Mexico's actually been quite a violent place, much like the United States of America. Uh, I'll go through some of these wars. Perhaps you've heard of some of them. Perhaps you haven't. If you've read Cormac McCarthy's Blood Meridian, you'll be familiar with the Texan filibusters. Texan filibusters uh, went uh, across the border uh, and tried to take control of Spanish Texas uh, between uh, 1819 and 1821. They also crossed the border later on and went hunting for Comanches, which didn't work out too, too well all around. So you had the Mexican War of Independence, which was 1810 to 1821, Long Expedition, 1819, Texas Indian Wars, 1820 to 1875, Spanish attempts to reconquer Mexico, 1821 to 1829, Comanche-Mexico Wars, uh, that's 1821 to 1870, Apache-Mexico Wars, 1821 to 1915. Uh, the Yaqui Wars, 1821 to 1929. That's 108 years. Mexican-Indian Wars in general from 1821 to 1933. And then the uh, Casa Mataplan Revolution, 1822 to 1823. Mexican uh, annexation of El Salvador, 1822 to 1823. Rebellion of Oaxaca, 1823. Rebellion of eighteen twenty three rebellion of Puebla and Quetarro, eighteen twenty three respectively Fredonian rebellion eighteen twenty six to eighteen twenty seven the conservative coup and all the liberals are like I knew it eighteen twenty nine to eighteen thirty one I guess damn what the hell is going on there the Zacatecas rebellion eighteen thirty five Texas revolution obviously uh eighteen thirty five to eighteen thirty six Frank first Franco Mexican war eighteen thirty eight to eighteen thirty nine Rebellion of the Republic of the Rio Grande, 1840. The Meyer Expedition, uh, 1842 to 1843. Our Mexican-American War, which is 1846 to 48. Castle War of Yucatan, or the Cast, not Castle, Cast War of Yucatan, 1847 and 1901. Uh, and then the Expedition of William Walker to Baja California and Sonora, 1853. Revolution of Ayutla which is 1854 to 1855, the Reform War, 57 to 61, Cortina Troubles, 1859 to 61, Second Franco-Mexican War. Again, the French showed up looking for a fight, and they lost again. Now, big surprise, 1861 to 67, and then Victorio's War, 1879-1881, Barrio's War of Reunification, 1885, the Garza Revolution, 1891 to 1893, Mexican annexation of Clipperton Island, 1897. They took an island from France. France once again surrendered. What are you going to do? Yeah. Second uh, Toposte War, 1903. Third Toposte War. I didn't know there was a first one. 1906. Jesus Christ, what's Me happening? Mexican Revolution, 1910 to 1920. The Border War. No wonder why they ain't got their shit together and cartels 19, run it right now. 1910 to 1919, the Magonista Rebellion, 1911, the Cristeros War, 1926 to 29, Escobar Rebellion, 1929, not Pablo. Not Is it Pablo. because it's hot there all the time? It's like warm people. Just... I have no idea. It's the Mexico and Guatemala got into <clears throat> 1958 to 59. It's called the Dirty War between uh, Mexico and a bunch of left-wing groups, 1968 to 1982. And then the Mexican drug war, currently right now, from 2006 to present. Just so you know that our neighbors to the south have just as bloody of a bloody history as anybody else 
it's been a rough go. Um, it sounds like it's been a rough go for forever, though. Yeah. For them. Like, I don't understand what's happening. So. They don't have enough police or, you know. I, I don't know if it's the police. I don't know if I'd want to go there. But we're going to talk about one specific group that some of you who are familiar with Rage Against the Machine should have at least seen some of the imagery. So the black flag with the red star in the middle is the flag of the Zapatistas. Okay? Okay. Now, the Zapatistas... Are you still with me, Angel? I'm, I'm right here. All right. Just I get sleepy some... sometimes. Put, I have to yawn. I'm putting the boss to sleep on. No, I'm not a... I'm, I just had to yawn. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I might sneeze, too. You never know. It happens. <laughs> just, okay. just don't shit your pants. No, no, no. Don't do that. Don't do that. So... To give you an idea of what's going on with the Zapatistas, okay, they're a group of mostly indigenous activists from the southern Mexican state of Chiapas, who was organized, who organized a political movement, the Ejército Zapatista de Liberación Nacional, which is the Zapatista National Liberation Front, more commonly known as the EZLN. For the purposes mm -hmm. of this show, we're just going to call them the Zapatistas, okay? Very easy. In 1983. So... They are known for uh, their fight for land reform, advocacy for indigenous groups, and their ideology of anti-capitalism and anti-globalization, specifically the negative effects of policies like the North American Free Trade Agreement on indigenous communities. They be began an armed rebellion in San Cristobal de las Casas, Chiapas, on January 1st, 1994. The most visible leader of the Zapatista movement until recently was a man who went by the name of Subcomandante Marcos. Okay, and I remember this guy. He actually marched into the Mexican Congress and gave a speech. This is very big news. Some of you are like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, well, you'd have to look it up. It's probably on YouTube. Uh, in November 1983, in response to the longstanding indifference by the Mexican government to the poverty and inequality faced by indigenous communities, a clandestine guerrilla group was formed in the southernmost state of Chiapas. The state of Me uh, was one of Mexico's poorest regions, and in a high proportion, not only of indigenous people, but of illiteracy and an equal land distribution. In the 1960s and 70s, indigenous people had led nonviolent movements for land reform, but the Mexican government ignored them. Finally, they decided armed struggle was their only choice. The guerrilla group was named at the Zapatista National Liberation Front. It was named after Emiliano Zapata. Okay, now you guys are like, who the fuck is Emiliano Zapata? Uh, he's a revolutionary and a very famous one. And by the way, there's, uh, there's a road in Mexico. I lived in Mexico city, so I actually know this. There's a road called, uh, like, I think it's called, uh, like the Paseo de, de los Insurgentes, which means that I think, uh, the Avenue of the insurgents. So they're quite proud of their, um, their history of not putting up with shit and fighting back. And I think that's great. Right. So Zapata was a Mexican revolutionary, he was a leading figure in the Mexican Revolution that we talked about in 1910 to 1920, the main leader of the People's Revolution in the Mexican state of Morelos, and the inspiration of agrarian movement called Zapatismo. Okay? He was born in a rural, rural village. Um, he was a supporter of the dictator Porfirio Diaz, who was president from 1877, 1880, and then 1884 to 1911. Participated early on in political movements against Diaz, and the land-owning Haciendolos, when the revolution broke out in 1910, became a leader of the peasant revolt, okay? 
So this he's named the the group takes their name from him specifically. Okay, so you might be wondering, what is this all about? Okay, now Zapatismo or Zapatism or you know however you want to couch it, Neo Zapatismo, all this other stuff, has been a mixture of a couple of interesting things: anarchism, Mayan traditions, and Marxism. And the land reforms of Emiliano Zapata. Okay. The first nucleus of guerrilla fighters arrived uh, in Lacadona jungle in 1983. Those, uh, these were politicized mestizo and indigenous people with a revolutionary Marxist ideology. Many of them had a history with the National Liberation Forces. Interactions between this group and the indigenous communities native to Lacandona jungle led to transform the political and military strategy organized by the Zapatistas. The integration of radical Marxism with the Mayan cosmology and history of resistance crystallized as neo-Zapatismo during the uprising of 1994, which we will get to here in just a minute. Um, notable transformations in the revolutionary Marxist ideology included reformed ideas about leadership and power. Subcomandante Marcos had offered some clues as to the origin of neo-Zapatismo. For example, he states, quote, Zapatismo was not Marxist-Leninist, but it was also Marxist-Leninist. I know it's confusing, you guys. It's not... <laughs> It, it is, but it isn't, but yeah, it is. It, but it is. You know that I know that you know that I know. That's right. Yes. We all know. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? The answer is seven. I really don't know that. That's a good answer. Seven. Seven. That's how much wood he could chuck. Seven what? Seven woods. <laughs> <laughs> when will then be now? Soon. Um, it was not university Marxism. It, it, it was not university Marxism. It was not the Marxism of concrete analysis. It was not the history of Mexico. It was not the fundamentalist and millennial uh, indigenous thought. And it was not the indigenous resistance. It was a mixture of all of this, a cocktail, which was mixed in the mountain and crystallized in the combat force of the Zapatistas. He also stated, quote, Zapatismo is not an ideology. It is not a bought and paid for doctrine. It is an institution something so open and flexible that it really occurs in all places. Zapatismo poses the question, what is it that has exalted me, excluded me, excuse me, what is it that has isolated me? In each place, the response is different. Zapatismo simply states the question and stipulates the response is plural, that the response is inclusive. In 1998, Michael Lowey, identified five threads of what he referred to as Zapatismo, quote, carpet. Gavarism, the legacy of Emiliano Zapata, liberation theology, Mayan culture, and the democratic demands made by Mexican civil society. Okay. A couple things you might have noticed straight away. You're like, Gavarism? What is that? Yeah, what is that? Well, speaking of rage against the machine... Those of you should be familiar with Che Guevara, even if you are not an uh, Rage Against the Machine fan. You are at least familiar with the revolutionary who was part of the Cuban Revolution, uh, who made the you know the famous phrase "Hasta la Victoria siempre." He's he's the guy on the front of all the Rage Against the Machine shirts. There it is. I was just curious to say, if you're not familiar with him, you're at least <laughs> familiar with the T-shirt. There, like I said, I had friends that that went to. 
uh, Revere High School, which is in Bath, Ohio, which is one of the higher income communities in northeastern Ohio. And they were wearing the shirts. And I was a Marxist at the time. And like I've said before on the show, I would look at them and be like, you know, we're going to kill your parents and take their stuff like we're coming. Like he's one of them. We're us. also going to put the gays in labor camps. <laughs> <laughs> oh. it, wasn't my, it wasn't my best. You look. really said that to them? No, no, but that's what Che Guevara would have said. No, no, no. I mean, I'm asking Jay. I'm sorry, Chris. You really <laughs> said you were going to kill their parents and steal their stuff? Not me. I said we because I was a collectivist. I would. I'm. <laughs> Me? No, we are. How'd you he, was, that? he was the artist on the commune. He's not doing any of that stuff. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm an intellectual. Look at my hands. I'm not meant for manual labor. <laughs> my hands are soft. I need my jerkins. Um, yeah, I need my jerkins. Would you guys like some falafel? <laughs> I'm going to write some revolutionary poetry for you while you dig in the salt mine. Um, revolutionary <laughs> that's right roses are red so is the state fuck you give me your stuff um <laughs> yes no i we i did say that like when the revolution comes we're going to kill your your parents and take their stuff like it's coming and they would just look at me and they would just pass the blunt and I'd, we'd get high and that would be the end of that but yeah i mean they didn't they were wearing the shirts and i was insulted because i'm looking at them like that's my guy you're rich. Do you have any idea how stupid you look? Not realizing how stupid I was, you know? So, yeah. So, this is named after Che Guevara, the famous anti-gay communist. It has to be said, Christopher. It has to be said. Um, he's been quoted several times saying some very nasty, not-so-nice stuff about homosexual people. Up to including labor camps, and outright execution, by the way. Uh, not a good guy. Zero out of ten. So, Givarism is a theory of communist revolution and military strategy of guerrilla warfare associated with Marxist-Leninist revolutionary Ernesto Che Guevara, the leading figure of the Cuban Revolution, who believed in the idea of Marxism-Leninism and embraced its principles. After the triumph of the 1959 Cuban Revolution, led by a militant foco under Fidel Castro, his Argentine-born cosmopolitan and Marxist colleague, Guevara, uh, parlayed his ideology and experiences into a model of emulation and at times direct, direct military intervention around the globe. While exporting one such focalist revolution to Bolivia, leading an armed vanguard party there in October of 1967, Guevara was captured and executed, becoming a martyr to both the world of world communist movement and socialism in general. The idea, ideology promotes exporting the revolution to any country whose leader is supported by the empire, the United States, and has fallen out of favor with its citizens. Guevara talks about constant guerrilla warfare taking place in non-urban areas that can overcome leaders. He introduces three points that are representative of his ideology as a whole, namely that the people can win with proper organization against a nation's army, that the conditions that make a revolution possible can be put in place by popular forces, and that the popular forces always have an advantage in non-urban settings. So that's kind of a taste of what uh, Guevarism is. Now, liberation theology, conservatives are very big on this. They love to talk about it. It was a big deal when Obama was running for president because, again, he was the closet Marxist. That could be he, Barack Obama's a lot of things. He's not a communist and he's not a socialist. I, I mean, again, I will gladly have that conversation with anybody. He's a corporatist, just like Joe Biden. 
Calling Joe Biden a communist is actually fucking ridiculous. He came out and said socialism was stupid. He's not, he doesn't play for that team, you guys. But the conservatives, like, really run. And I, I'm starting to think that calling somebody a commie is losing power the way that they call people who vote for anybody to the right of Karl Marx a Nazi. It, like, it's losing its power. It's losing its mean. There are real communists out there. Joe Biden and Barack Obama are definitely not. They're, they're not. It might be closer I, to fascist. I don't know. I don't think calling somebody a commie, a commie is losing, um, you know, the, you the so? power behind the word. No, I think calling people Nazis are because you should really refrain from using that word unless the person really is a Nazi. I mean, like, probably the same is true for saying a commie, but, like, I feel like I hear Nazi more than I hear commie any, anyways, lately. Oh, for sure. Or, or fascist. Yeah. Or fascist. Which most people that sling that word around do not know the definition of, which is hilarious and simultaneously annoying to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. It is annoying. It is annoying for sure. So to talk about what exactly is liberation theology in the context in the context, excuse me, of Latin American liberation theology, because there's several strains of it that go from Palestinian to black to delete. Uh, there's a lot of different uh, veins in this, but liberation theology in the Latin American context uh, is known within the Catholic Church in Latin America during the 1960s arising principally as a moral reaction to the poverty and social injustice in the region, um, deemed the most unequal in the world. The term was coined by a Peruvian priest, Gustavo Gutierrez, who wrote about one of the movement's defining books, The Theology of Liberation. Other noted uh, exponents include Leonardo Boff of Brazil, Jesuit John Sobrino of El Salvador, and Juan Luis Segundo of Uruguay. Latin American theology, uh, liberation theology, influenced parts of the evangelical movement and Catholic bishops in the United States. It purported the use of Marxist concepts led in the mid-1980s to an admonition by the Vatican's Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, while stating that in itself the expression theology of liberation is a thoroughly valid term. The prefect Cardinal Ratzinger, also known as Pope Benedict XVI, that just bit the dust, rejected certain forms of Latin American liberation theology for focusing on institutionalized or systemic sin and for identifying Catholic Church hierarchy in South America as members of the same privileged class that had long been oppressing indigenous populations from the arrival of Pizarro onward. Okay, In other words, um, Pope Benedict was like, listen, you got to shut the fuck up because you're making us look bad. Those bishops need to have sex with those children. Okay, so keep providing the kids and shut the fuck up and cash the Catholic Church check or you're going to be in big trouble. Okay, mm -hmm. so maybe that's probably what had something to do with it. So when we're talking about, you know, going back to Zapatistas. All right. So we talked about Subcomandante uh, Marcos. And again, he marched into the Mexican Congress. There was an uprising in 1994, and it didn't last for very long, but it did have a very big impact. So NAFTA went into effect on the 1st of January of 1994, and the Zapatistas stormed six cities in Chiapas, occupying government buildings, freeing political prisoners, and expelling landowners from their estates. They chose this day because they knew the trade agreement, specifically the exploitative and environmentally destructive aspects of neoliberalism and globalization, would harm indigenous and rural Mexican communities. Crucially, around one-third of the rebels were women. 
the Zapatistas exchanged fire with the Mexican military, but the fighting lasted only 12 days, at one point, at which point, excuse me, there was a ceasefire. More than 100 people were killed. Indigenous communities in other parts of Mexico led sporadic uprisings in the following years, and many pro-Zapatista municipalities declared themselves autonomous from the state and federal governments. In 1995, President Ernesto Zedillo de Ponce de Leon, or I mean, that's a lot of names. Yeah. Or, I mean, really, uh, ordered Mexican troops at the Chiapas to capture Zapatista leaders in order to prevent further rebellions. Zapatistas and many indigenous peasants fled to the Lacandon jungle. Zedillo targeted Subcomandante Marcos in particular, calling him a terrorist and referring to him by his birth name, Guillen, in order to strip away some of the rebel leaders' mystique. The president's actions were unpopular. Imagine that. However, and he was forced to negotiate with the Zapatistas. In October of 1995, the Zapatistas began peace talks with the government. And in February of 96, they signed the San Andreas Peace Accords on Indigenous Rights and Culture. Its goals were to address the ongoing marginalization, discrimination, and exploitation of indigenous, indigenous communities, as well as give them a degree of autonomy in terms of government. However, in December, the Zadillo government refused to honor the agreement and tried to alter it. The Zapatistas rejected the proposed alterations, which didn't recognize it indigenous autonomy. Notwithstanding the existence of the accords, the Mexican government continued to wage a covert war against the Zapatistas. Paramilitary forces responsible for a particularly horrific massacre in the Chiapas town of Actil in 1997, in 2001, Subcomandante Marcos led a Zapatista mobilization, a 15-day march from Chiapas to Mexico City, and spoke in the main square, Zocalo, to a crowd of hundreds of thousands. He lobbied for the government to enforce the San Andreas Accords, but the Congress passed a watered-down bill that the, that the Zapatistas rejected in 2006. Marcos, who changed his name to Delegate Zero, and the Zapatistas emerged again during a presidential race in order to advocate for indigenous rights. He stepped down from his position of leader of the Zapatistas in 2014. Following the uprising, the Zapatistas turned to nonviolent methods of organizing for indigenous people's rights and autonomy. In 96, they organized the National Meeting of Indigenous Peoples across Mexico, which became the National Indigenous Congress. This organization, representing a wide variety of distinct ethnic, ethnic groups and backed by the Zapatistas, had become a crucial voice in advocating for indigenous autonomy and self-determination. In 2016, the CNI, that is the National Congress of Indigenous Peoples, proposed the establishment of an Indigenous Governing Council, which will represent 43 districts of Indigenous groups. Um, the council named the Indigenous Nahuatl woman Maria de Jesus Patricio Martinez to run in 2018 in presidential elections as an independent candidate. They didn't receive enough signatures, however, to get her on the ballot. In 2018, the left-wing populist candidate Andres Manuel López Obrador was elected president. I got. I don't have a lot of opportunities to roll them R's. I can't do it. I just go. Well, that's all right. I got it. I got it for everybody. Okay. Thanks for your input, Mushmouth. I promise to incorporate the San Andreas Accords into the Mexican Constitution and to repair the federal government's relationship with the Zapatistas. However, this new Mayan train project, which seeks to build a railway across southeastern Mexico, be very careful with railroads, Mexico. They're really dangerous here in Ohio. Is opposed by many environmentalists and indigenous groups, including the Zapatistas. Thus, the tension between the federal government and the Zapatistas is ongoing. 
Um, the writings of Subcomandante Marcos have an important influence on anti-globalization, anti-capitalism, and indigenous movements across Latin America and the world. The 1999 Seattle protests during the World Trade Organization meeting and the more recent Occupy movement was kicked off in 2011 have clear ideological links to the Zapatista movement. In addition, Zapatista's emphasis on gender equality and the fact that many leaders have been women has been an enduring legacy in terms of empowerment women of color. Over the years, the dismantling of the patriarchy has become more central to the goal of the Zapatistas, notwithstanding this impact. Zapatistas have always insisted that each movement needs to respond to its own community needs and not simply emulate the methods or goals of the Zapatistas. So, the insurgency was contained, but the Mexican government was unable to destroy it. So the Zapatistas did get rights to self-government and autonomy, and they started the autonomous self-administered areas. So in a way... They kind of won. They didn't get full independence, but we're not sure that that's really 100%. They, all it looked like to start with, if, if, you've been, you know, if you've been following along, ladies and gentlemen, is that they were kind of trying to get the stupid government to pay attention to their problems. Like, you've been keeping us out of the game. You treat us like shit. This NAFTA is not going to be good for us. Please don't fucking do this. And the Mexican government, it's like, listen, we're trying to sell cocaine to Americans. Could you please shut the fuck up and let the railroad in? And they were like, no, that's enough of that already. And then we have the result. Again, Della Rocha from, um, from Rage Against the Machine, um, he apparently was at least trying to get into it or was into it or was hanging out down there. I don't think he gave away all of his money like, like he should have. Uh, but, you know. Can't win them all, I guess. So, but yeah, that I found this one to be very interesting because it's contemporary and it's very close to home. I guess you could say for uh, Mexico is our southern neighbors here in the, the United States of America. Uh, I always find this stuff very interesting, what goes on. There's actually a book out there. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. I have a stack that's like retardedly large that I have to get through. And it's called Zapatistas and Wobblies. It's about the IWW and... The Zapatista movement. The Zapatista and Wobblies? Yeah, because <laughs> Wobbly is the nickname for the IW. I understand. It's just, it sounds fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Maybe you should tell them about the title and be like, they take you more seriously. I, d- I just think about like a Weeble Wobble or something. <laughs> I don't I don't. How did know. I know that that was what you were going to go with? Because like, was... it, it's like, it matches the fucking words, dude. Like, it's not my fault. No, it's not your fault. <laughs> it's certainly not your fault. So I mean, I'm sure people will disagree, but I I don't know what to say. That's what I thought of. No, that's it's okay. So what you know, the indigenous components of this movement, um, or this, you know, revolutionary current amongst indigenous peoples uh for the Zapatista movement, um, you know, Ideas about governing by consensus can be found in the Zapatista maxim to command by obeying um, a practice uh, which, you know, democratically determined, assigned and administered and carried out. Um, it's called a matl. It's a Native American word at the heart of Zapatismo. Um, another Zapatista practice with, uh, with origins in indigenous philosophy is the maxim, um, ask, uh, asking we walk, uh, preguntando caminamos. Okay, but that's Spanish for asking we walk. The approach of walking while asking questions 
was central to the other, quote, other campaign of 2006. And sociologist Roman Grossfugel describes the approach as uh, Tojabal Marxism that sets out as a rearguard movement that listens and asks questions instead of employing the Leninist strategy of the vanguard party that puts forward well-defined programs and theories. So I guess Subcomandante Marcos was not included in that write-up because clearly he said that there were elements of Marxism-Leninism, which requires the vanguard party. Um, yeah, well, you know, the guy, um, the, something Rainier, he's in jail. They called him the vanguard. That was with that Nexium fucking sexist cult. Like, what's, you know, it doesn't make sense. That vanguard's in jail, so, you know, it's probably not a good <laughs> idea to have a vanguard. I don't know if those two are the same thing. It, hey. Just saying. It sounds like a violation of everything all the way around. Right. So no, no, no. I get it. You tie them together. I get it. The now, bad stuff. It is bad. I, both of those things are bad things. I agree with you. Uh, however, agrarianism is another element. Uh, it's the economic component of Zapatiz, uh, Zapatismo or the Zapatiz, uh, Zapatista movement. <laughs> word is so ridiculous you've been saying zapatista zapatismo well, you know well, yeah because Zap- gizmo gosmo zapata, zapata yeah the guy. i can't keep a straight face i did not anymore. say gizmo i, I absolutely <laughs> just said it now the first time i made it as a joke because i'm thinking <laughs> to myself no i fucking didn't no <laughs> i'm joking I didn't. it was a joke so a uh, strong advocate of agrarianism in mexico he personally led uh rebels against the Mexican government in order to redistribute a plantation land to farm uh, workers. Zapata began by protesting. Zappity tappity. Right. Protesting (laughs) the seizure of land by wealthy plantation owners, but his protest did not achieve its desired goal. So he turned to more violent means. The cause of redistribution was his true life's goal and frequently uh, could use to symbolize agrarian cause in Mexico even today. So, you know, that and anti-neoliberalism anti-capitalism and autonomy so that's why they get thrown into the separatist category um so i think it's uh i think it's pretty interesting i'm always i'm always down to learn more about this stuff and this one i found particularly fascinating because i can remember happening on tv and there are my contemporaries also probably are familiar with some of the imagery because of rage against the machine so i mean it was interesting it's just a lot of zippity zappity what's happening tippity tappity around right. the circles no, so, no no yeah no, i, I mean it, there's a lot of zips <laughs> and zoos so i i don't know what you know just i'm trying to make it funny no 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 that's fine <laughs> that's great work <laughs> great work great work um so what do you think about this what do you think about uh you know the women's role in this what do you think about the elements of it it's pretty interesting it's very interesting i didn't know that there was that much you know uh dysfunction for so long over you know year after year and then a few breaks in between and then like it finally you know led to what it is now it's very interesting and it makes sense because it just seems like there's always something happening um in in mexico or in you know the southern portion um, you know, of those areas that something is always like kicking off and it, it makes sense. Um, it's getting spicy all the time. Yeah, it certainly is. And <clears throat> I think that unfortunately Mexico hasn't enjoyed, I mean, if we're talking about this strictly from a political point of view, 
I don't think Mexico has enjoyed a lot of stability. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it, uh, I mean, at least the mod- in the modern context, contemporarily speaking, a lot of it has to come back to American uh, foreign policy and also, but not, not so much foreign policy, but domestic policy with drugs. Because the narco war doesn't exist, really, at the level of violence that we're seeing right now. In fact, um, Dan Crenshaw... Uh, John McCain 2.0 with his eye patch. Yes. And another member of Congress just got a bill passed giving Joe Biden permission to send troops into Mexico to fight the cartel. So I don't, a lot of people aren't familiar with this. Uh, well, hold on. So John Pershing is famous, or at least people are like, who the fuck is that? I've seen a street named after him. Yeah, there is a street named after him in Akron and many other places. He uh, was a World War I general for the United States of America. Blackjack, Pershing. Before that, he was chasing Pancho Villa, the Mexican uh, bandit, all over northern Mexico. So incursions into Mexico have already happened with federal troops outside the context of an actual war being declared. So this, this is more of the same. Mm-hmm. This is more of the same. And I, I don't know about you... But I was disappointed to hear that. Like, great, another fucking war that we need to stick our big fat pecker in. How nice. I think it's a terrible idea. I don't, like, it's really, it's not a good idea. It's it's just stupid. I don't know, like, what's the purpose? And I don't know all of the ins and outs, okay? Because I never do. Um, but I can tell you, it. If they want to sell drugs and and do the shit that they're doing in their country, they have every right to do it. I don't know what the fuck, like, what are we intervening for? Did Mexico ask for our help? I don't think they asked for our help. Is it because they're worried that it's going to spill over into the U.S. and day? I mean, I know it has in some areas already, um, you know, and and MS-13 and and all of that stuff, you know, like, are they worried that it's going to get worse in those, um, you know, border states and cities? And and that's why they're stepping in? Is there something happening that, you know, that that people like me don't know that should be educated on? I think a lot of it, like you said, you already alluded to it, that the violence has already crossed the southern border. Uh, We've seen it. And I think that they're worried. I mean, like I said, they just kidnapped four Americans who stupidly went down there, and two of them are dead now. Uh, so anytime that there's going to be Americans, be it tourists or stupid people who are in the wrong place at the wrong time, not paying attention to their surroundings for whatever the reason, deciding to go there, uh, I think that the potential exists for escalation, especially if citizens of the United States are being you know, either targeted, kidnapped, or, or murdered. Uh, it's definitely going to... Um, I mean, but the, the pretext is already there. Uh, precedent is already there because the preemptive strike with Iraq. Remember that? Oh, weapons of mass destruction and yellow cake and this, that, and the other thing. Mm. And now <clears throat> they kind of have, you can have the same thing. Oh, we're worried about cartels crossing the border. And, you know, they've already done it. And they've used catapults to get drugs across the border. Fentanyl is killing people. And, and all of that is true, by the way. Fentanyl is killing people. A lot of it comes from chi- from China. And then it's brought through the southern border by the cartels. Yes, I understand that. Well, I definitely ha- get it. Had they not, I mean, Big Pharma with the fucking uh, pills and the opioids and all this That's shit right. is what's led to this shit. That's right. It's market fucking demand. So they should either write the scripts for the fucking pills like they were doing before 
and let somebody else get rich or the drug people, you know, that that have, you know, deal with the illegal drugs, they're going to step in and make a fucking profit. Mm -hmm. So like and these poor people who were addicted to these drugs, you know, need something to, you know, they don't want to be dope sick and they need to get high. So they're going to go and get the fentanyl or the heroin or whatever. And you create the, the government and the pharmaceutical companies created this problem. And the people who sell drugs illegally, the cartels and, you know, their networks step in to fucking fill the demand. Mm -hmm. Like they created this. Well said. Uh, no arguments from me at all. I, the, I probably... uh... It's what? like the what is it the Ouroboros the, the the snake that's eating its tail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's I mean, that's it's the best way I could think to describe that whole entire system, like metaphorically. I agree. I mean, it's all a racket. Like you should be allowed to take whatever you want as much as you want, as often as you want. Like why there's all these rules? You know how much money people would make is CVS and all that if they just allowed people to buy drugs whenever the fuck they wanted and as much as they wanted. Like, what do you care about people's well-beings for? Like, the fucking cigarettes and the alcohol and everything else that's available on the market that, you know, people use or abuse on a daily fucking basis? Just throw everything in the fucking mix. Fuck everybody else. <laughs> what are these restrictions for? Well, I mean, again, You want to kill yourself with drugs? Kill yourself with drugs. I couldn't agree with you more. And the great Ron Paul, again, we've said it before, 2012, running for president. They tried to attack him on that. Oh, you think that, you know, you're in favor of legalizing all drugs, including heroin? And he was like, yeah. But, like, you when know. you go to the doctor, the doctor doesn't know what's wrong with you. And, like, you're like, let's say, like, you have, like, a pain in your arm or your shoulder. Okay. And the doctor, they can't find anything, but you have this pain. Mm -hmm. And nothing helps you. And maybe you're looking to get, like, medical marijuana. Mm-hmm. And you can't fucking get it because your doctor's like, oh, well, we don't do that here because we have some sort right. of high moral standard. Yeah, like, fuck you. You know what I mean? Like, you're in this to fucking make money. Yep. You're getting money for my insurance company. I got to pay you the $25, you know, mm -hmm. fucking write me a prescription so I can go to CVS and then pay them another fucking $30 to get my fucking pills to help my arm feel better. I just want my arm to feel better. Or, like, I want to go and get the weed so that I can, like, smoke the weed and my arm will feel better. Or the gummy or whatever, or whatever. however form you want to you take it. Mm -hmm. Just fucking give me what I want. So that I can feel better. But yeah. no, they just want you. They don't know what's wrong with you. They don't know how to help you. They put you through all this shit and nothing ever changes. So it's like you may as well just diagnose yourself. And if you die, you die. Oh, well. Yeah. At least you tried. Yeah, I, I, I understand. <laughs> At least you tried. God damn it. At least you put the work in. Right. Yeah, no, I'm with you 100%. And yeah, it's it's beyond retarded. And I don't understand it either. And. Um, you know, and of course, the people who fought legalizing marijuana at the federal level, of course, if you trace who follow the money, uh, who they're financed by or by pharmaceutical companies. Also, don't forget the alcohol industry doesn't want weed to be legal at the federal level either. Why? Because competition is a problem for them. Why would they? Why? Because, I mean, again, I'll go toe to toe with anybody on it. Marijuana versus alcohol. I mean, you. how many people do you know that have absolutely wrecked their fucking life at the bottom of a bottle to the point of death? Yeah. I mean, and death. Yeah. 
People who smoke reefer, I mean, yeah, sure. They may not. I know some people who don't like. Maybe they don't fucking work or whatever. But they like. <laughs> they eat a bag of Doritos, and they don't fucking hurt anybody else. Right, or like you might be a little. They bit... might raid your refrigerator, yeah. but they're not gonna rob you at gunpoint. Right. <laughs> you might smoke a little bit too much weed and be stoned and not be able to respond as quickly as you usually do. <laughs> it takes a minute, you know. Uh, but other than that, I mean, you haven't gotten hung over from smoking too much weed. No, no. If I if I drink too much alcohol, even if it's just sometimes three drinks, like I don't feel good the next day. And I'm talking about like three drinks over hours upon hours. Like I don't, you know, right. chug them. Uh huh. It, it makes me feel sick. You fucking lush. One drink makes me feel sick the next day. Like my stomach's sour. I'm not much of a drinker anymore myself. The older me I'm neither. My, my yeah, the older I get. Like hangovers are like that's like that'll ruin the whole weekend. Yep, yep. I, I like in my younger years, I could fucking drink and party all night, and then wake up and eat some scrambled eggs, take a couple Advil, and be good in a couple hours. I've never been able to do that my whole life. Younger, older. Oh man, when I was young, oh, uh, I could, I, yeah, yeah, big time. But like once I once I hit my thirties, it was just like. You get a hangover, you can be sick all weekend. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I Listen, in 2001, I was working for a welding supply company in <coughs> on East South Street, um, close to the Greyhound station. And I would work every day, six days. Well, I mean, every day till five o'clock, six days a week. Make, I was making good money for a 21-year-old kid. Uh, no responsibilities, no children, no nothing, right? And I would get drunk at least three to four times a week with my friends. And the big one was Friday night because everybody got paid. And I would get fucking knackered up. I was hammered. I don't remember how I got home several times. And I would be out at three o'clock in the morning. Right, yeah. But three o'clock in the morning, I'm out. I, w- I would wake up because I have to be at work on working overtime on a Saturday at 7.30 in the morning go to work on three hours of sleep still be kind of drunk when i woke up and not have a problem if i do that now i'm gonna be in the hospital like i, I just it's just not I, <laughs> yeah, yeah like, you're gonna have to call the I, bus i must definitely ain't waking up early to go into Ooh. work <laughs> bro i will Forget fucking call that. off work if i don't get enough sleep like i'm i'm at that point like i yeah i gotta take a sick day why well first of all i don't ask you why but if they did it like Cause I got less than six hours, bitch. I'm not good to anybody. I'm going back to bed. You know, I'm gonna have a waffle and I'll fucking talk to you tomorrow. I mean, yeah, got to deal with it. You know, so yeah, it's again the reefer <laughs> thing. Waffle. I, I do like a waffle. A little peanut butter on there, right in there. Yeah, some peanut butter. <laughs> a little schmutz of syrup. Mm-hmm. That's some good shit. Uh, I also like chicken and waffle too. A little honey Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Nice. Very nicely done. Chicken and waffles with honey and sriracha. That sounds phenomenal. Hot honey has been selling like crazy. I need to get yeah. into that. That's what I'm saying. Or, or you could just get some pre-made, you know, hot honey. But, like, if you don't have that, just honey and sriracha on some fucking, some fucking chicken and waffles, bro. That's Are you amazing. trying to get fucked? Are you trying, <laughs> yeah. to, yeah. trying to get fucked over here? Is that what you're doing? Huh? I love it. I love it. We still found a way to get food into the conversation. Like right, this. right. And and every to, time. Every I time. I give a shout out to my brother because he's the one who told me, um, you know, put the peanut. Well, 
he showed me this is how he liked to eat the pancakes with the peanut butter and the syrup and like he was like it's really good and it is really good i tried it because you told me your your brother told you about it and can confirm it is peanut butter waffles peanut butter and pancakes Mm-hmm. It's top class. A little bacon in there. You get that it's sweet good. and salty. It's that's good. good. Yeah, yeah, it's very Ooh. nicely done. Very nicely Ooh. done. So thank you to uh, Angel's brother. Yes, that. love you, brother man. That's very well done. Anybody else have anything? I mean, we, we circled back to pharmaceuticals, <laughs> peanut butter. We got drugs, drinking, and separatist <laughs> groups in Mexico. We got everything you need. Separatist groups in Mexico, drugs, drinking, and peanut butter waffles. It's beautiful. We have come full circle. <laughs> <laughs> we are in fact the Ouroboros I was speaking of <laughs> we are the snake eating its own tail you know why because we put peanut butter on it and we're fucking hungry that's right <laughs> that's absolutely correct so I asked the group does anybody have anything they would like to add starting with you Christopher nope I got nothing alright what about you Angel do you have anything at all um no not really um yes other than the bit shoot i don't have anything else um patreon of course um if there's anything that you guys are interested in i know i've thrown this out several times before but if there's something that you're interested in in regards to having us cover or research because you want to know more about it but you're too lazy to look it up yourself um, you know, please send that our way and we're happy to look into it and um, try to report on it best we can. We shall be your puppet. Yes. Yes, indeed. And thank you for that. Thank you both. Always nice to hang out with my dearest friends and uh, cover a little information. Hopefully it's educational for everybody. You learn a little something, um, maybe obscure, maybe not. Maybe you're familiar with it, but uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. But that's all we have for this week, ladies and gentlemen. So I'd like to thank our patrons Again, Patreon is up and available. We have a new episode, a bonus episode in addition. Also, there's special events and stuff like that going on. Uh, check it out. Two bucks a month. Also, I'd like to thank our sponsors, starting with AgorasNexus.com. Our friends, Brandon and Dag. Wonderful people. Wonderful stuff. Go check it out. AgorasNexus.com for free-thinking people as well. And I'd also like to thank Vandalay Industries. I'd like to thank Ray Faba Fine Art and Design from the Great Lakes, Team Mandalore, who keeps cycling very weak, uh, weird, and uh, I paint Akron all You almost said weak, yo. They've, they've been winning races. I don't know if you pay attention. <laughs> no, no I, weakness in that. I know, but you said I'm trying to get through the sponsors, okay? okay? I'm doing the best I can. All right. There ain't nothing weak about Team Mandalore. You're doing a good job. We love Team Mandalore. Yes, we do. And you're going to keep cycling very weird. Yes, I'm going to go watch The Mandalorian after this, by the way. Too, I know, so. so excited. Yeah, very excited. So... Um, and then, of course, I paint Akron where all accidents are happy accidents. Ladies and gentlemen, we have come to the point in the show where we're going to discuss something. You already know what's coming. What I'd like you to do, though, is listeners, go ahead, take your finger, stick it in your ass. Ugh. Not in, but down the crack and get, that's right, Christopher, do that sniff test. After a long day of working, some of you are like, Jay, I'm not going to do that. That's because you know. You know what you're gonna what you're gonna harvest. Yo ass is stinky. That's right. And you're like, I'm not doing the asshole. Fine, do under do under the uh do under the armpit. Why don't you get in there? Dig in there. How about that belly button? You got a deep Ugh. crevasse? Go ahead and pull that out of there. Give a give a good sniff. It's disgusting, right? Because you're filthy <laughs> working all day and you're not buying my friend Todd's gay soap. I could prevent all of this from happening. 
all of this. Buy the Todd, buy the Todd's Gay Soap quickly. That way, when you do the finger test, after a long day's work, somebody's going to toss that salad. You don't have to do the finger test because you're like, you know what? I don't even need to bother. Why? Because I wash with Todd's Gay Soap. Because my ass is clean. It's ready for business. It is open for business for your ass, under boobs, fat folds, whatever you have. Todd's Gay Soap is medicine for your body. It helps you keep clean all day long. It's medicine because Todd's Gay Soap is... So for that ass, get up in there and watch that crack, girl. Damn. <laughs> Thank you very much. We'll okay. see you later. Okay, bye. <laughs>